Thank you for listening to the podcast for Burlingame United Methodist Church, located in Burlingame, California. Each week, we will share a sermon by Reverend Ann Duncan. Thank you for joining us on our journey through the Bible. scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Here now the women who supported Jesus' ministry. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Harold Stewart, Cosa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. May God add a blessing to this reading. Thank you, Walter. So as I ask the children, I now ask you, Who are the important women in your life? Who are the important women in your life? Those who have mentored you and challenged you? Those who have nurtured you in life? Perhaps a wife, a mother, a sister, a granddaughter, a boss, a co-worker? Who are the important women in your life? My mother is an important person in my life. She is also, as you all all now know, a United Methodist pastor. She was ordained in 1980 when few women sought to be ordained to serve in an official position in a congregation. She was raised Southern Baptist, which continues to be a tradition, a denomination in which women are not allowed to be ministers. We heard that in the news this week when the Southern Baptist Convention expelled Saddleback Church, a large church in Southern California this week because they have a female pastor on staff. As a young girl in the Bible Belt, I heard often from my peers that my mother should not be a preacher. Some Christians emphasize that Eve, a woman, was the first person to sin. Likewise, women are told to be silent in church. They contend that women are guilty of leading men astray with their outward appearances. And women are blessed solely by having children. Echoed in our society, we still have a long way to go to model a difference, a different reality. Violence and harassment against women are a far too common occurrence. On average in the U.S., women make 80% of what men make for performing the same job. Less than 30% of our nation's senators and congresspeople are women. Less than 30% 
while the U.S. population is 50.5% female. And in the United Methodist Church, only 5% of senior pastors serve in the largest congregations or women. Let me say that again. In the United Methodist Church, only 5% of senior pastors in the largest congregations are women. Yet my mother heard a call from God to become a pastor. She listened to God. She is a wonderful minister. And while retired, she's currently working and teaching in a local congregation. She joins us every Sunday via Zoom during the 11 o'clock service. And even while writing this and thinking about it, how grateful I am that she wants to tune in and be part of this congregation that I serve and to hear me speak. But I will tell you all that there's seldom a sermon that I deliver to you that she has not already read and has already given me feedback on. She did not read this one this week because I wanted her to be surprised that she is in the sermon. My mother taught me that women should be valued and respected and empowered in our society. My mother taught me that women can serve as pastors just as men can and can be just as, hey, maybe even more effective. Okay. Jesus shows us in the Gospel of Luke that women should be valued and respected and empowered. Jesus taught women, ministered with them, and lifted them up. And as we'll hear today, Luke's account of Jesus' life highlights the valuable role that women have in the world. Generally speaking, and not surprisingly, women in the ancient world had very few rights and privileges. You all know this to be true. In the first century, in Palestine, in the ancient Israel, in Greece, and in Rome, the majority of women were not educated. Jewish women could not go to the temple in Jerusalem. They could not enter that holy space. Women could not testify in court. Their testimonies were not reliable. Marriages were arranged by fathers, and a father decided who and when his daughter would marry. A woman could not divorce her husband under any circumstance. Only a man could initiate divorce. I saw in the Washington Post this week that Afghanistan has nulled and void thousands of divorces. And so women who have now remarried are being accused of committing adultery. It still happens in our world today. Men and women were not to speak to one another in public. Men were not to speak to any woman outside of his family. The marginalization of women is an ancient history. It is present today. But as we read in the Gospels, women were lifted and given a different role. The most striking thing about women in the life of Jesus is the simple fact that they are there. They are there. In contrast to other texts written at the same time, texts that are not in the Bible, the four Gospels contain a very high number of references to women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is known as the first disciple of Jesus. Women were present among the followers of women, of followers of Jesus. They'd be present and Jesus would address them and teach them. 
Beyond that, there's not a single instance in which Jesus disgraces, belittles, reproaches, or stereotypes a woman. Not at all. Jesus actually reaches out to the unnoticeable women. He spoke to and healed silent, suffering women. Jesus noticed them, recognized their need, and healed them. He was strongly defying the social and religious convictions of that time. Luke, in particular, who we're reading during this season of Lent, mentions women by name more often than any of the other Gospels and has women speaking more. If we think just back to last week, we talked about Mary and Elizabeth. They have a full conversation, and their conversation is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Luke will often tell a story involving a man and immediately after tell a similar story involving a woman. He has a balance in his storytelling. In the Gospel of Luke, Mary's remembered for this prophetic song that we read last week in worship, the Magnificat. It's only found there in the Gospel of Luke. Prophet widow Anna praised God and spoke to the people in the temple about baby Jesus. Jesus restored Jairus' daughter to life, and the girl's parents are both named, the mother and the father. Jesus healed a hemorrhaging woman when she took the initiative, and afterwards he praised her in front of the crowds. Jesus has a parable about a widow fighting for her rights against an unjust judge. Just hear that again. Jesus has a parable about a widow fighting for her rights against an unjust judge. Jesus highlights a poor widow, a small offering, in contrast to these generous gifts, maybe I should not call them generous, the, that exceeds the offerings of men, that she was more generous than the rich men. Peter's first denial of Jesus came after who challenges Peter? A servant girl, a servant girl challenges Peter, and he denies Jesus. And Jesus spoke to women as he's walking to the cross. They're wailing women, and he pauses, recognizes them, and speaks to them. In our scripture today, which Walter read for us, we hear Luke recount the names of women who supported Jesus in ministry. I want you to listen again to these first three verses in Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Cusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. Women were with Jesus, following him and learning from him. Some of these women we just heard, quote, provided for Jesus and the disciples out of their resources, meaning they helped make Jesus' ministry possible by supplying funds. They probably cooked for them, let them come into the homes. One of the women we just heard is Joanna. It's a name that we don't hear often. We talk about the women of the Bible. We hear Rachel and Sarah and Ruth and Mary. 
But listen to who Joanna is. Jesus healed Joanna, as we hear from this text, probably of some, maybe a spirit um, or a disease of some type. Joanna, we're told, is the wife of Cusa, which would be King Herod's household manager. Today, we might call Cusa like the CFO, the chief financial officer for Herod. We all know about Herod, right? Okay, so her husband works for Herod, and yet, so she's lived this prosperous life. We assume at some point she was healed, received some type of healing for Jesus, and she could have gone back to lead, live in her nice, comfortable life. And instead, she decides to follow Jesus. And she decides to use some of her resources, her wealth, to support Jesus as he's reaching out to those who are poor, the outcasts, the outsiders, because she's willing to use those resources in defiance of perhaps her husband and the person that her husband worked for. Joanna was also present. As you continue to read in the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that she was also at the cross. She was there when Jesus died. We're also told that Joanna was one of the first people that heard the good news that Jesus was alive. Joanna shared that message of Jesus' resurrection with others. I give thanks to God that Luke thought to include Joanna in our gospel, in this Bible. You are not going to forget that name, Joanna, from here on out. Joanna followed, gave up her resources, followed Jesus all the way to the cross, and also was able to proclaim that he was alive. If you have been reading with us the Gospel of Luke, and it is not too late to start and to pick it up, some of these sheets that have divided the Gospel into 40 days are still on the out table out there. Um, I invite you to, to start reading, if you haven't, or just to continue. This week in chapter 7, we read about a woman who poured oil over Jesus' feet, perfume, a scented oil. In the story, Jesus is dining at the home of some Pharisees, and a woman comes rushing into the dinner. It would not have been um, appropriate that for her to come in and to be part of this house um, or to come to this dinner. She wasn't invited, and we're told in the text that she was a sinner. We don't know her name in the Gospel of Luke, but we're told that she was a sinner. But she came up to Jesus, and the diners who were present were aghast that she had come. And she sat down at Jesus' feet. We're told she had a bottle of perfume, and she started anointing him. She started pouring it over his feet. One of the men there said, you know, what are you doing? And Jesus said, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Not do you see this sinner? Do you, you know, all of these names that they were putting on her, who she was. He said, do you see her? She is here and has come for healing. Jesus saw her. Jesus sees us as well for who we are, not our gender. We are seen as a child of God. Jesus sees us as people in need of God's love and grace. I invite you to recall again the women who you thought of at the beginning of this sermon. 
Who are those women that you thought of who are important in your life? Who are those women? What would your life be like today without them? What might you have never known? What might have never come to fruition in your life without their nurture and their leadership and their love? Jesus called 12 men to follow him. He called a fisherman, a rich tax collector, a militant zealot. He dined with Pharisees and he ate at the home of Zacchaeus, as we'll read soon, who was rich through deceit and fraud. Jesus called women to follow him as well. Women who were sinners, women who through no fault of their own were ostracized by society. Women who were poor, and as we hear today, women who were quite rich. Single women, married women. Jesus simply and quite powerfully treated every person he met as a valued person in his or her own right. On this day, you and I are called. In this life, this journey, wherever this walk of life you are on, God loves you. Jesus calls you to follow. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to stand here and to preach on Sundays, to lead in this congregation. You are empowered likewise to follow and to lead. We are all loved and called. We are all valued and respected. Let us give thanks to God for this God and for this Jesus and for this testimony from Luke that all of us are loved children of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.